Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back with our 22nd episode to talk about the rise of employee monitoring software. So um, we'll look at it both from the perspective of the employer and the employee. And this is on the back of a story that we spotted on the BBC News website this week, talking about an employer who uses employee monitoring software to track what his employees are doing and their productivity. So we thought it'd be an interesting topic for us to have a cup of coffee over and chat about. Absolutely. So where should we start? Should we do the employee perspective or the employer Regina what do you think well if I, I can take it sort of from the employee perspective and, and kick off there so it was quite interesting reading it because the software that this chap was talking about he was indicating that it was helpful for understanding what his employees were doing and obviously some of them he said were based in India so it allowed him to keep an eye on what they were up to essentially and track time worked without having to be there which I can imagine is a is a bit of a challenge and how you sort of effectively engage and monitor people's performance and productivity when they're so far away and I think it's something that's obviously come to light as well more with home working that more and more employers are, are considering there's a kind of a bit of a concept that working from home is always like a bit easier and you, you know you're probably there sitting and watching daytime tv with trisha and whatever and uh <laughs> is there a daytime show with trisha i think that's stopped now that's back at uni days but yeah it's that kind of employers then looking for ways to try and challenge that and i think I was just reflecting on it and one of the there's a couple of things that kind of bothered me a little bit if I'm taking on that kind of employee perspective. The particular software that they the chap was using actually takes screenshots of what is on the laptop or computer. And I looked at their website and it takes a screenshot. You can do it once, twice or three times every 10 minutes. And the way that they promote this is so that you don't have to check with your team about the project status. And part of me was like, if I had a manager coming over my shoulder two or three times every 10 minutes, I wouldn't want to be in that environment at all. Because I'd be like, let me do my work, you know, trust me to do it. So you would know it's happening and you should absolutely know it's happening because the employer should tell you it's happening if it's a screenshot. It's still the same thing. Why do you need an update every 10 minutes or three times every 10 minutes um, on a project? It's just to me, that seems excessive when you could do an end of day report or an end of week report on projects to say, what, where are they at? Why do you need to have a screenshot of the laptop per screen? It, to me, there's that element of it just seems like it's more spying than it is actually genuinely trying to facilitate good communication and genuine understanding about what's happening in, in a project. It's more about, let's see, you know, did you quickly flick away from working on the project to read the BBC News or look at Facebook. You know. well, interestingly, just to interject there, because I read something that said that, um, and I didn't know this, that but certain video conferencing software can monitor your face to see whether or not you're actually paying attention. Ooh, and it can then give the host a report to say, this person actually isn't engaged. They're doing something else. And like you, I was like, whoa, that's a little intrusive. You know, you've just got to assume that there will be some people that, that are on the call, but they're not paying attention. It doesn't mean that you actually need to be monitoring that. And highly unlikely, they haven't told anybody. So, sorry, I took you off track, but... No, no, that's fine. It's interesting. I think it's intriguing because for me, the question is, what do you want to do with that information? I've We've run numerous training events. I've sat in numerous meetings, both as data basics and in our previous roles within the NHS and you can see when people are not listening in a meeting you can see when they get their phones out and start replying to their emails yeah. it's the same on online you can see 
you know, if people are reading text on a screen because they flicked away to look at something else, you can absolutely see that with their eyes. Mm. You don't need a, necessarily need um, a computer to tell mm. you that. And I remember, God, it must be, what, 10 years ago in our previous employer when they introduced a time tracking tool where we had to plug our time in against all the different projects. And there were there were purposes behind that. I remember myself thinking, well, hold up a second. I need to find time to do this. And do you really need to know how much time I'm spending on everything? I'm a senior manager. It's, I think anybody can feel a little bit of angst. Absolutely. And you kind of, again, you see the benefit. You understand that time tracking is good for understanding how much time you're spending on a project as a as an employee so that you can get it right in the future. You can understand. But again, it's that, you know, and, and this software allows that to happen. It allows, you know, an employee to or anybody working on the project to like start a time tracker and it will then do it. But if, you know, if the computer, it will then also have a little bit of a lapse function. So if yeah. you don't engage with the computer, it will it will drop off. So there I can see more of a purpose because you're trying to understand your time and expenditure against project activities and make sure you've got the right staff, the right mix of people the, that you're quoting clients the right amount of time. So for me, as I can see that genuine purpose and you're asking people to record it. And if you can automate that, that probably helps with the time spent to, to actually record it because that can be, I mean, I remember like Friday afternoon, you'd be like, oh no, I'm going to go home, I've got to do my timesheet. We were um, both in that position, Regina. Yeah. <laughs> but um, despite best intentions to do it at the end of every day. But yeah, and you kind of, uh, this one, this just seems to be an extra level with the software and technology that's available that you can kind of, you know, they're, they're monitoring keystrokes and mouse strokes and mouse activity and it just kind of feels a little bit like you're expected to be super productive all the time and I kind of come back to that you know we're not robots and there will be peaks and troughs for individuals in the day about when they perform best there'll be times when you know there might be days where they're like, you just don't feel as motivated today and another day you might be completely on it and in the zone and it, how does it allow for that and how does it try and reflect the fact that people are people and will have different things affecting them and how is that then made fair between different employees and if it just comes down to arbitrary stuff like keystrokes and mouse engagement or movement and screenshots on a laptop just kind of think you know for me it would I think and this is that little bit of a I guess the slight rebel in me that would be well if that's the way you want to play it then you know let's go I'll do nine to five I'll sit and do what I can and but you won't get anything additional there won't be that because there's no no trust no flexibility it's if it's implemented in a in a way that seems a little bit big brother and unless you've got a really good reason and how you can explain it to your employees that they don't feel spied on or that you don't trust them to do their work and perform then you're just going to get I would say you're probably going to get people who will be very much I'll do my nine to five. No, no, thanks very much. You know, no additional effort, no late working, no, because why would you? Because it's yeah. like you're not feeling like you're valued. You're just a, a cogging machine that has to be oiled and performing at top performance all the time. And, you know, we had a really interesting talk earlier in the week from a networking session I was at and um, it was kind of saying, actually, you can't constantly be at peak performance because you'll be exhausted and end up in burnout. You kind of want to be kind of just dipping in and out of of um, a place where it's good performance and sometimes it's peak and it's going between good and, and peak but it's um yeah I, obviously I've gone on a little bit of a rant there around the, the right. sort of potential right. intrusions but I've also the the word, points. 
we've covered both perspectives. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Both from the understanding from the employer's perspective and the employee. So I'm not going to regurgitate what you said, but what I can come at it is from the law perspective. And there is a lot of guidance um, around this. So the Working Party 29, which was set up pre-GDPR coming into force, set out very, very clear guidance about employee monitoring. So this is not new. This is not something that has suddenly, yes, there's been an explosion in software this year, and I think there's an abundance of it being used. But the uh, Working Party 29 has been very clear in that there are only going to be a certain number of limited circumstances where you will be able to justify the lawful basis for processing monitoring of employees. And they say that in every case of employee monitoring, so this is, there is no negotiation about this, you have to do a data process, data protection impact assessment. It is is a fundamental because especially when you're working from home, you are potentially impacting on someone's privacy whilst at home. Therefore, you have to not just consider data protection, you need to consider the Human Rights Act in this country. But because you are monitoring behaviour, the DPIA comes into force where you then have to be what's proportionate, what's your purpose, what's the benefit, and you have to be explicit about the benefits of you doing this type of activity. And then what are the measures you're going to put in place to reduce who has access to that actual information? So if you can justify it, and you've um, identified the purposes and how you're going to fulfil that, you then need to say, well, who's going to see this information? Mm-hmm. You know, so limiting the access, how are you going to make sure it's secure and stuff? And more than anything, how are you going to tell your staff? So you talk about, it's about communication. So as an absolute right under the regulation, staff can, should know that this is happening. This shouldn't be something that is spying. So it should be, if you're going to do this, do your risk assessment. If your risk assessment comes out as you can do it, tell your staff yourself, and then train your staff about how you're going to use this and how they can engage with this. Because if you don't do that, your employees may well ask you, what information do you hold on me? I imagine that could potentially be quite a challenge what you pull through and how you present that back to them in a way that they can understand what that means. um, In terms of things like, because obviously things like productivity and performance can impact on decisions made around redundancy. So do do employers have to be clear about that from the start to say, you know, actually this would be some of the factor that we will consider if we go through this process at any point in the future or is it something that they can just take into account because it's known that it's happened so i think the from what i looked at and i'm just looking at it now which is why i'm not looking at at you there are there are nine areas that the working party said that an employer has to consider either at the point where they are planning to do it so that it's not an afterthought so the couple that i want to draw is that so Processing operations resulted in monitoring of ICT usage at the workplace. And now we obviously need to consider the workplace is now home. So Mm -hmm. you have to do a proportionality test of, you know, what's fair. Uh, You need to also, anything that involves time and attendance or the use of video monitoring, which is what you said, the use of the webcam would come under that. Bear in mind, these was done, I think, before. What, in 2017 before the crazy rise of video conferencing just of those three of the nine you know you need as an employer it's your responsibility to do that assessment first justify it before you introduce anything so regardless of what you see everyone else doing you as an employer 
justify that. And if you can't, then you're going to foul on the fair lawfulness and transparency part of the regulation, and you're never going to find a purpose. Therefore, you don't do it. Yeah. And I suspect that hasn't happened. There's been the panic. People have got to work from home. Oh, how do I know if people are doing their job? You know, and then just we're rolling this out. So there's mm. no transparency. Staff haven't been told. And I suspect there's possibly one or two members of staff who are like a little bit like, oh, I'm not happy with it. No, I'd, I'd say that that's probably a fair assessment of the risk and where companies could could fall down and interestingly one of the things that i read was that actually there hasn't been a huge drop in productivity and i think people generally you know the flexibility can work because whilst they might take a bit of a longer lunch break or you know pop to the shops to pick up milk because they need to or whatever actually they're working a little bit later in the evening because I haven't got a commute or you know feel like oh i can just get that done and it's less about being there but actually people are working when they are more productive and when it works for them rather than these set hours that kind of have come from previous times when computers weren't so much of a thing olden days regina we were born (laughs) i I would say my part in statement to anyone listening to this is do a data protection impact assessment so if you haven't used this go back do that because you might find that you need to stop and if you're planning on do it do a data protection impact assessment and anyone that's not sure email us at coffee at dbxuk.com or give us a phone call uh, we're happy uh, to answer any questions so that's our time i did suspect that we would talk for quite some time i wasn't expecting for you to talk as long regina doesn't happen often but occasionally <laughs> thank you uh, for, for joining me uh, today for another fabulous talk and uh, we'll be back again uh, next week